You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. We lost Chris. Hey, I'm only supposed to be late, not you. <laughs> no, that's the one. Uh, that's my that's my new entrance right there. So slide right in. What do you think? It was really smooth. I know. I almost crashed. <laughs> you should you should do that on your listing presentations. I'll I'll open up the door for you. Ring the doorbell. Open up the door, and Chris runs in and slides. I just slide like uh, Tom Cruise in uh, All the Right Moves. Remember him? Yeah. Slide right through. Oh boy. Chris in white undies. There yep. you go. Yep. <laughs> I'm gonna go with colored ones. But... Oh, that'd be fantastic. I would literally, I would literally pay to see that. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh. I don't know how I'd get back up, but I'm getting cramps in my cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Oh, that's the oh. Just like our little uh, little oh. foreign traveler might be in a new place again. Oh yeah. I'm in Malaga. I'm near near the sea again. I was in Granada. It's a pretty famous for its like Muslim influence. It was under the the Moors for a long time. I got some video for you guys. Want to check yeah. out? Oh, yeah. It's a cathedral. That was the famous Muslim uh, fortress. What country are we in? This is Spain. That's Spain. Okay. And then the last one, here's like the view from that fortress. So, yeah. There was Amy just taking a picture up there. Yeah. <laughs> Look behind me, mom. Um, crazy. So that was the. You said the chapel. Is that a chapel or was it a mosque? No, that was a cathedral. No, the Catholics came in the 1400s, and it's been Catholic since. But the 800 yeah. years before that, it was under Muslim rule. Yeah, they. Uh, it's got a, it's got a wicked mix. Oh, for sure. That whole part of the world has had that happening. Is there some of these mosques that are um, old chapels that they took over and and you know re purpose to become a Muslim situation. It's pretty cool. Actually, it's interesting, the history, you know. Well, there, there was 32 mosques in like that city center in Granada, and the Catholics came in there, destroyed them all, and then rebuilt 16 uh, uh, cathedrals or churches on top of the mosque. Crazy. I can tell you what they do in Savage. What do they do in Savage? Well, there's there was a horse, and it was in patch. So you know, that's my history. I don't. I, I need to get a little more cultured. <laughs> uh, prior Lake, there was. I think it was twelve resorts that used to be on Prior Lake. How about that? That I believe. Yeah, and there's there's that many left, and a marina. There's one marina, and then there's the restaurant. Yeah. So when was that? Like the '60s, or when were those resorts there? 
Yeah, actually, when on, I didn't even know when we first came to Prior Lake, which was in 1975, 75, yeah, 74, 75. And um, I, there was still like eight of them left at that time. And so mm -hmm. it was before that. And I mean, now it's, I mean, it's really hard to, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's no land left, but there is a, the big farm just sold. Uh, which off of Cow Bay that they call it because the cows would walk into the water. And now they're looking at uh, developing that. And But we haven't heard who's doing it and what they're going to do. So oh. there's my history. I'm just uh, not very cultured. I should maybe get a little more cultured. No, I, I like you don't. Have, I like that you don't have any culture, Chris. I think it makes it a more interesting show. <laughs> yeah, let, let's get in. Let's get into what you know about Chris. What, what's okay. happening in the market? Yeah. I don't, I All I do is work. Wait. All I do is work. Uh, true. I think we're still at the end of uh, our summer solstice, if that's even a, a thing. But uh, summer slowdown, because I think it has been. Uh, it's it's a it's a much different market than it was even a month ago. Um, but again, I mean, it's still, if your house is good, it sells, you just gotta be, I think some people are getting, um, a little too, uh, you know, heard what was happening and then trying to price based on what's happening versus letting, um, the market take it to where it should go and, and price it, uh, more active. But if you, you know, if you have time and you want, that's what you want to do, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, and, and possibly waiting out people where it was before, if you didn't accept an offer in two or three days, I mean, you, someone would say, Hey, there's something real wrong with it. Now people are starting to understand that, Hey, I can set it up on a, a Friday and it might be there on a Tuesday that I can go look at it. Yes. I, I always kind of, uh, funny enough, I brought a, a chart with me. Um, the, I look at the market right now as, you know, we normally, Oh, there it's gonna we get go like we were going like this, and then also we hit the summer and we've done one of these, and now we're kind of laying flat. And the people that are still pricing their houses like this are getting what they call days on market, right? I love you guys. Great, great chart, Andy. Dom. So that if you here's what I'd say: you can always price your house. The market's flattened a little bit. Doesn't mean it's not gonna go back up, but I think this is a hundred percent because of the construction pressure, right? That was pushing the market down because people were not purchasing. They were almost stopping construction. I, I okay, they had orders in the pipeline from before. I'm seeing the new orders. I've seen the last 90 days probably that I've observed personally when prices hit their peaks, the market kind of got funny and maybe it was a coincidence with the timing, but I saw where new construction orders that were to be ordered, not spec homes, orders, almost stopped. Um, and I saw that across the board in all price ranges. And then now you're seeing all the houses are spec homes as they're being built. They're still, people want new. They just not can't necessarily always afford new. So those that were up and they're available. So sometimes people will go out of their comfort zone a little bit and they'll buy that spec home and maybe it's not the perfect color, but everything's brand new. Um, you know, it has quality materials and they'll go for it. But I'll tell you what, it's going to be real interesting. Um, February, March and April of next year, because pending sales, I think, will be down. Um, but now, all the builders I know now that lumber's come down, now they're starting all their spec homes that they were planning on to have available for the spring preview. So, you know, um, which is crazy because we're six months ahead of ourselves. But 
spring preview inventory is starting to be built now for next year. And what are we two, you know, almost two weeks, two and a half weeks away from uh, uh, parade? Yeah, September 11th it starts. Yeah, it's September 11th through I think it's October 3rd. So yep. it's like there's four weekends, um, and then there's a Thursday and Friday for three weeks of that. And so, and actually, what's nice? It sounds like it's gonna um, compete with the state fair as well. So I, mm -hmm. I tend to think there's, I mean. I hope there's a lot of new models on. We've got a brand new one, um, which is kind of fun. It was a, it's a pre-sold, and it's actually one of the dream homes uh, that's going to come on. So I think we'll get uh, real good traffic. But you know, it's still it's it's. I mean, you get good traffic at a two million plus home, you know, just because people want to see it. But uh, we're hoping we're only like six lots left in our development, and hopefully we can get those sold out. It's been kind of interesting too, Chris. I don't know how much you deal with it, but I've dealt with it um, a couple times in the last week where I've had um, clients that have uh, tried to take advantage of the guaranteed offers or the, you know, the corporate purchase programs that are out there, just buy my house as is. And, and both of them didn't work out. And I found it interesting how these companies, um, they just published one of the biggest ones in the country is still losing money purchasing houses. And so all that's going to do is put pressure on the purchase prices, put them down, um, not keep them higher. Cause some of them were, writing them for almost what, you know, retail value was, and Somewhere then they would back out. So it was kind of funny because they were, there's a couple of funny programs I've seen. So one of them said, if you want a guaranteed offer, we have to put your house on the MLS and list it today, and we'll get that offer within five days from our investor. So it was really interesting. So they forced people to put their house on the market, still get them ready, still do showings to get them the guaranteed offer. And then the guaranteed offers were so low that they, they didn't perform on it, and then they would cancel their listings. And so it's kind of an interesting market. The, those, um, quote, easy solutions, weird, are not working. And so these investors are losing millions of dollars, like by the day. It's crazy how much they're losing. And they're like, you know what? Maybe this isn't the best solution. Because, you know, when there's a service fee on top of a value, kind of like I was just showing you on that chart, if the chart moves at all, those margins go away. And as a market flattens out and as it, there's going to be some corrections on that, for those investors where they're not going to like the returns they get because they're going to be flat. So anyway, I just food for thought. I know a lot of people, you know, email me and ask me questions about that because I'm not afraid to talk about any of that stuff or flat fee service companies and what they do for the flat fees. And I'm seeing them all fall flat because right now I, I was, you and Chris, you know, I've talked about this the last couple of weeks. I've never worked harder marketing properties than I have in the last probably six months. Um, no joke. I, I, the better photography, better videos, um, you know, all the all the things that are um, important to, to uh, establish value. And then houses are still selling when you when you make that investment. When you don't and you just whip it on the MLS and you pay somebody a ton of money to do it, you're getting ripped off. And so anyway, I think it just it's just starting to prove itself. All right, let's get into our first segment. What is the most unique thing you have done to sell a home? I think that's an interesting question. And when I was told that's what we were going to do, I sat and thought and thought and thought like what the most unique thing is. And um, I think, um, I don't know if it's a, I mean, a way to do something or uh, a word that you said, or um, you jumped up and down and uh, got yourself into a, a clown outfit and, and tried to pull people through to, an open house to be able to get people in there. But um, uh, I got to still think a little bit. Andy, you, you got something? Yeah, of course I do. 
Um, the, uh, the, so this is back in 2006 and I'm sitting in a model home and we have a, <clears throat> a seller that wanted to get out of their house. It was a $1.2 million home and they had reduced it all the way down to 800,000 for the previous agent. And then they came to me and they were like, Hey, you know, we want to get this property sold. How do we sell it? Um, and so we went through and did a whole marketing, um, campaign. And he says he has a buddy out in California that did a trick that he wants to try. And I said, okay. Um, I said, what's your trick? And he says, I want to put an open house together and put my brand new Suburban in the driveway with a ribbon on it and say, hey, anybody that buys my house for this price gets my truck for $1. I'm going mortgage fraud, mortgage fraud, mortgage fraud. I go, you know, we have to disclose that to the buyer's lender if they have lending. He goes, well, if they bring us cash, it doesn't matter. Okay, let's go. So by God, it sold. And as it sold, my broker goes, just so you can keep your license, he goes, you should walk away, not accept the commission, write a letter to everyone involved saying that this is fraudulent because it was financed. And I did, didn't get paid a dime, but the house sold and they gave away a free Suburban. And I'm like, I, that blew my mind that somebody was, you know, in a position of where they were looking at getting a truck um, to buy an $800,000 house. I heard I heard that uh, that was prevalent in California. It was like the Corvettes, and it would be, you know, that's personal property. It's like asking for the swing set. You know, you're asking for that, but obviously you have to change title and things. And I'm trying to think of a way around that um, that you could do well, that. I mean, think about this, Chris. What is it, Minnesota? Anything over twenty five dollars has to be on the statement at closing. Yeah, you know, well, and I mean. Cars are registered too, so you have to yeah. you have to state a value, and even though if you get it for free, it's got to be at a state of value so they get their tax. Oh, I, I, that's why I walked away. I didn't want to get involved in this in any way, shape, or form, but I just laughed because it worked and the house sold. Um, I think when you when you talk unique, um, I, I go more into like you know trying to really figure out how that house lives, and then um, maybe just market it differently, meaning. Um, you know, everyone says, oh, it's a five bedroom, four bath, 4,000 square foot home. You know, you might want to go more towards, you know, it's on a creek and you can, you know, you focus more on, uh, on the creek part of it. And by the way, a house comes with it. And I'm not saying that might be a little, little crazy, but, you know, in today's, I mean, with COVID and pa pandemics and lockdowns and stuff like that, um, you know, ha having your own gardens, uh, have something to do having a pool, having a pole building, having a lake, you know, having all of that kind of stuff, um, you know, might be push you towards marketing that way in a, a unique way of marketing versus, um, I don't know, giving something away. But I mean, we've had people that say they'll, they'll finish the basement for them. Well, you deal with that in new construction all the time. That was, that was my next whole statement I was going to make. Yeah. 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 So builders will come in and um, say, Hey, if you buy a house with us, you know, during the parade, we have a special that says we'll finish your basement for you. You know, guaranteeing yeah. other houses. That's another unique yeah. thing. Um, it's not as unique because the way you hear it now, but there is there's um, other ways of realtors. I know I've done it where I've bought in a house for I mean, what the normal value is just to make the other three, four deals happen. You know, and so if, if this one doesn't sell and maybe you have to fix it up and do it and it may be even low loss, but from a realtor standpoint, you know, I've got those other sales in the, in the pipeline.
So no, you're right, and I I've, I definitely have seen that for sure. When it comes down to the uh, <clears throat> the different builder programs that are out there, I I've had builders offer uh, you know hey if you order the model home we'll build the deck for free. I've had uh, where they say they'll do the landscaping for free, um, you know, and those are all things that when you come into a house that's being built from scratch, it's a little different set of rules, but it's it's being included in the purchase agreement. The lenders, underwriters see it. The uh, all the appraisers see it, so it's it's fully disclosed. So I don't think there's an issue with it. But yeah, there's one of the uh, one of the builders that I work with this fall um, is offering a completely finished basement. So I mean that's a in some cases on Ramblers that's a fifty sixty thousand dollar freebie that they don't offer all year. They do it like during certain times of the year. Generally, builders won't offer something that aggressive unless they're looking to get orders on the books. Because like I was telling you, it's been slow the last ninety days. And lumber prices have come down. So prices have come down, incentives are back, and the interest rates are fantastic. I think we're going to actually have one of the best fall parades we've ever seen because we have the perfect storm set up right now. Lower prices, great incentives, and then the uh, lumber prices have come back to almost where they're at at the first of the year. So it's it's a good time to buy new. Beautiful. Our next segment, we're going to go into how often does – a deal fall through right before closing and how do you handle it? Well, I think there's falling through and delaying, I think are, are two different things. Um, but uh, both resulted not closing on the day that you're supposed to uh, close. I'll tell you what, a lot of emotions play into real estate. A lot of emotions play into real estate. And you just got to be careful all the way through. Um, sometimes it, it comes to, you know, personal property, which is the, you know, the car in the driveway, the, the boat outside, the dock, the couch, the TV, um, this and that. And sometimes that can really be a serious problem. People, you know, I always try to remind people that, you know, you're buying a house, you're not buying a TV. And, um, but all of a sudden they, uh, maybe someone says, hey, I already sold, I already sold that stuff, I can't give it to you. And it kind of makes the buyer forget about it. All of a sudden that, um, closing or the walkthrough, they're going through the house and they see that they're packing up this stuff and, and they're taking it with them. And then it gets to be like, well, we wanted that stuff. And you said it was sold and you lied to us. What, what else did you lie about? You know, I mean, that's called negotiations, but it's, um, you know, things like that. Uh, mortgage, mortgage issues uh, come up, you know, because the one thing is, is you can have a clear to close and everything's done, um, you know, or, hey, this is what happens, but they pull up stuff at the very end. And if something changes, we had one that changed and an old late payment came up uh, and, it, and it appeared on one of the credit reports at the end. And it's just like, you got to be kidding me. Well, it delayed it delayed closing almost a month, you know, because it had to get cleared up and it wasn't it wasn't a problem. And, and maybe if we would have closed three days before that, it never would have shown up. But sometimes those things happen. And it was a late payment from a year and a half ago, but they just reported it to that credit reporting agency. Yeah, it, uh, I tell you, it. you know, the one other thing I've said, um, you know, we live in a very diverse um, housing market, which is fantastic. And I love every second of it. Um, the one thing that is a little difficult sometimes, even for real estate agents representing real estate or buyers, um, is there are some cultures that are need to know basis. Um, they come from a place where there's fraud. They come from a place where there's no advantage for telling people your um, financial status. And so I've had situations where even the real estate agent representing the buyer, I'm representing the seller. 
we come in and I'm, I'm learning information that even the agent doesn't know because the client never told the agent. For example, contingencies, amount of cash down. And then you go to the lenders and you have to spend a little extra time um, when you're dealing with somebody that you, you want to ask all the right questions as a listing agent, just to make sure that everybody's on the same page, including the buyer's agent. Because sometimes the buyer's agents are bamboozled too and not told all the facts and they think they've been told all the facts. And they're out there trying to help this individual buy a home and they're completely capable, but they're missing some of the key pieces. So those are things that can unravel a closing. Um, you know, the other uh, side of it is um, I've even had where uh, the, the amount of deposits, um, the buyer perceives that, hey, by the time this closes, I'll have all my deposits, my commission checks will be all in by then, and I'll have everything ready to go for my deposit. And then all of a sudden you realize, wow, the commission check got delayed or it wasn't as much as they thought, and now they're short the cash that they told the lender they have to close. So that's where I always make sure with these lenders, verify assets. And if they're not verifiable and they can't see them, I may not take the offer because financially, even though they tell you they can do it, they may not be able to do it because of circumstances out of their control. So what you need to do is really be informed, dial in that lender, ask the right questions, make sure assets are verified, you've seen them in their accounts. They're not in a, a credit line, they're not on a credit card, they're actually a deposit made in a, in a, a liquid account. And so those are some of the things I've seen blow up at closing, um, you know, and they don't fall through very often, but you know, in today's world, I'll tell you what, people that are getting houses today have great credit and they have uh, all the, the financial income, the debt ratios are correct. So they're healthy, healthy, healthy buyers, which means the barrier to entry is a little higher right now. So there's actually a lot of the buyers that if you get a buyer that's qualified in today's market, they're a good buyer. And it's, it's a very, to end with, it's a very solid housing market. That's why when you talk to real estate agents, they don't think there's a bubble here because, you know, or the foreclosure crisis, it's looming. None of that's happening because the buyers are so solid. I love it. Things that I look for is that, you know, from maybe a, a listing agent perspective, is that who the lender is for that buyer. And not necessarily that, hey, they're this great lender from Wells Fargo, more so that the whoever the agent is has used them before. And that's so important because the thing is, is sometimes what you'll find is that the, the buyer might have the greatest lender in the world, but they're not used to working with you. And if you're not check, not just checking on them, but if you're not um, if you if you're not used to what their processes are, and you're one person versus someone who refers someone all the time, you know, they're gonna not be as upfront with you if the deal's getting done or not. And that deal doesn't matter as much. And I'll tell you what, uh, a, an eighth percent when it's all done and said is not a big deal if your house doesn't close on time. You know, I mean, and that, that I think is a, a big thing. We see it a lot, people switching lenders uh, in the middle of the whole process they um, all of a sudden found a better deal and they're like, well, I'm gonna switch over to this lender. Well, that's that could be a big problem. You know, we need to know that. We need to get re new approval letters. We Absolutely. need to get everything set up. And, you know, and I mean, from a, a, a seller standpoint, I mean, that's an un unnerving thing. Now all everything's gotta restart over. How far behind are we? Is it gonna get done? You know, you gotta redo everything again. And it's, uh, but then it's kind of hard. How do you tell people, oh, you can't go to a different lender and get a better rate. Well, but, or, or Chris, imagine this. So now somebody sells you on the fact that they're non-contingent cash 
and all of a sudden something changes in their world and they just shift it over and get a line of credit and have to have the house appraised and everything else. And, and I, I, I can't say a lot of details on this. I'll tell you when it's over. Um, I've, I've got a situation where they switch from cash to financing and we took the cash offer because it was lower because we didn't want the contingencies and it, there's an ethics charge there coming. So, you know, the clients are going after the agents that brought the buyer, the deal switcheroo mid process, didn't tell anybody to get it approved, change the terms of the contract, breached it and they performed. But here's the deal that my sellers are so mad that they're doing everything in their power to make that remedied. Well, and more than likely, they chose that offer because it was cash. And what, and what people are doing and agents are doing, and they're telling their people, they're just saying, hey, this is what we have to do to do it. And then once we have it or tie it up, whether it's, it's an inspection kind of type thing, or even if it's not, we'll just later on, we'll just switch it over back to it. You know, and they, there's nothing they can do because they're kind of stuck with us. And there's nothing really in the purchase agreement. Um, I mean, you could say that if they if they didn't do that exact financing, it's usually when you put that financing in and says, hey, you're putting 20% down and, you know, it's 80% conventional. It's just saying that you can't unqualify yourself. So if um, if you went less down at that time, there's no real rules in there that says you can't, but it's a big deal. And it's kind of one of those things that I don't know how, uh, other than, you know, writing a whole nother purchase agreement, um, to be able to kind of keep people in into that financing, or I think you said it, Andy, that if if there's any change in financing, the earnest money is raised, you know, five more thousand, and it all becomes non-refundable at that time. Something to that effect, you know, at least you get something to kind of uh, protect you, because again, you're you're at the the mercy of this buyer, you know, and well, if it closes in sixty days, and yeah. let's just say that you sold it a month ago, and you're not closing for another thirty days, and they put you in this quagmire. And the market's changed. It could cost you a lot of money. Well, so this is what I, I other agents drive me nuts sometimes. And they'll say things like to me, like, well, we can't afford to lose that much earnest money. And you're like, but you just changed the terms of the offer. And now you're telling me that you're so not confident in your client and yourself that you don't think the deal is going to close and that you don't want your client to lose that money. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? This is a real world. Like Chris just said, you have expenses related to closing. Closing doesn't happen and everybody starts packing the truck. The trucks are packed, the, the movers are there, everything's in motion, the rates are locked, The everything is done. When you go to closing, you need to close, you need to perform. So anyway, I just think that when we get into these situations where, you know, terms change and people think they can change things, and I think that, let me preface with this, if something changes, I think the best thing you can do is talk about it with the other side of the, the transaction and say, listen, unfortunately, here's where we're at. We don't want to lose this deal. Would you be willing to work with us on this? 90% of my sellers would say, yeah, we'll do that. No problem. You know, we don't want to, you know, we get it. Things happen. It's when they try to keep it secret, I think is what kills the deal. And then there's a lack of trust. And once you've lost somebody's trust, it's over. I mean, it's then it's they second guess everything. Well, here's the other thing too, just what we talked about. If we wanted to completely protect our sellers, we certainly, we certainly could, but the buyer's got to agree to it. And if the buyer doesn't agree to it, we don't have a deal, you know? So it's a, uh, it's one of those things that we can say all this and we can protect you. But if they're not willing to agree to it, you're going to kind of have to deal with, hey, here's what could happen. You know, and all of a sudden, if if we go back and we have this great offer and we've got four offers and it's 500000 and someone's willing to pay me five fifty, and I go back and say, okay, that's true. But if you switch financing, 
you know, then you got to give me $10,000. And if it goes to, uh, if appraisal, you have to immediately, oh boy, you have to add another 10,000. I mean, it doesn't work, you know? And so then it's kind of like, okay, what do I take? Do I take the chance that I'm going to get the 550 or should I take the five and a quarter that's willing to agree to it? So. Cute puppy. on my lap. Hey, before we go on to the next segment, let's um, answer some listener questions. We love when the listeners engage. We see some of you guys watching right now. If you could shoot a, a thumbs up or an emoji reaction, that would really be nice. Um, let's do this first question. The cost to finish basements or remodel kitchens, you quote, seems extremely high. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they're very expensive. Um Everybody's at uh, brain surgeon pay right now. So, um, you know, a lot of it has supply and demand. Um, I would say this though, finishing basements, most builders are in that, you know, 40 to 50 bucks a square foot. If you remodel, plan on doubling that. Um, remodelers coming in, it's it's 100 bucks a square foot sometimes or more. Um, remodeling kitchens, I, I always put a $20,000 budget on a kitchen and it ends up being about 35 to 40. But, you know, what do you think, Chris? Sheet, a sheetrock carpet and trim is a lot different than uh, adding bars and bathrooms and uh, a lot of that stuff. So it just depends kind of what you finish and where the costs are. But 100% costs have uh, really gone up and uh, all over the board. You know, everyone talked about lumber. It's more than lumber. I mean, it's paint. It's plumbing. It's, it's every material that's gone up. Well, you know, in a normal, you know, like I would say the – 3,000 square foot Rambler, I always see the sworn statements and I'm seeing, you know, cabinet bid, you know, bids from some of these guys where they're, I'd say mid to almost in the upper end where you have soft closed drawers and doors and, you know, nice uh, drawers, no backs in the cabinets because they're custom, but they're painted walls. And those are anywhere from, you know, 17 to 22,000 per house, um, you know, just for cabinets. That's, that's put them in the house. That's not installing them. So beyond that, then, you know, you have to have your installation team and add another probably eight to 10,000 to install them. So, you know, I, I'm just telling you, I, I, uh, I don't think a kitchen remodel project, is, it's, unless you have small, uh, a lower quantity amount of cabinets that you need, um, and done under 30 is almost impossible. Well, it turns more into that though too, like, like a, a, a kitchen, totally. Like, okay, all of a sudden, if you're completely removing or pushing, you know, moving the kitchen around and, and relocating things. I mean, all of a sudden now flooring comes into play. So how is that going to transition into the next room? You know, if, if you're moving um, your cabinets, do you have to put in a different window? Do you have to add windows? Do you have to take them down? Are you going to use the boxes from your cabinets that you currently have? I mean, there's a big play. If you want it, the biggest bang for your buck is to hang on to those boxes if you can, you know, and then get uh, and outfit them within there because that's a big cost. Well, you know, you bring up a great point, Chris, how many times we've been on a, on a, an updating project. And so remodeling a kitchen, are we talking about enameling the cabinets, fresh granite, tile backsplash and new cabinets, you know, or new, um, new appliances, or are we talking about, like you said, we're redesigning the kitchen, maybe bumping the house out two feet, putting an addition on or moving the interior walls. And I mean, yeah, then, oh my goodness. It uh, jumps up quick. Next question. Is it worth doing upgrades before listing, knowing you can't appeal to everyone or doing them so you can get the wow factor when showing? Or is it better to just list at a lower price? 
Uh, I'm going to say on that, it depends. And it depends, you know, how much you need to do. So if everything is um, dated, you know, at that point, I'm probably saying, you know what, let's just clean and declutter and make it look as big as we possibly can. Maybe you throw some paint in there, add some light fixtures to give it a little. Um, but if it's, if it's like, hey, this is a great house, but the kitchen's just holding you back, I mean, you'll always make more money, typically always make more money. We had a great um, example of one. We went in and we thought maybe they could get 289 um, if they kind of went as it was uh, with cleaning up and, and doing that. And then we figured out about $17,000. We thought they, we could get it to about 350. Uh, ended up doing it and we got 360 instead. Uh, I, I always say 90% of the people can't envision. And the more you can give to them, and the other thing is, is that of that 90%, probably another 95% of that can't afford to uh, have money after closing in which to do that stuff. So it's I think it's always better in which to do it. Unless, but you know, Kirby, Kirby has, he's asking a great question, though, because in every price range, it's a little different, I think, too, because I'm I'm experiencing in the under 800,000, you know, <clears throat> probably four to 800, where people seem to want everything done. They'd rather pay more for the house, have it done, kind of, eh, it's not the perfect off shade of white for the cabinets, It's but we'll take it. You know, and it's like, they, they'd rather uh, finance and have a little higher payment because remember, money's cheap right now. Materials and labor are hard to get and they're expensive. So people would rather buy a finished project, pay a little more for the house and have it done with and not have to deal with the nightmare of a remodel for six months. Well, here's the other thing too, is, is getting that work done in time to be able to list it within five years, you know, because that's sometimes you can't get the, the people yeah. which to be able to do it. So you gotta, all that's gotta factor in, hey, am I gonna lose a market? Am I gonna go into the winter market and lose the summer because my yard is great? So all that plays into it. Chris, what is the number one motivator for remodeling projects, do you think? The number one motivator? You just did one. Um, you had sliders at it. To what? It was at your house. What about it? It was for your daughter. It was for my daughter? Oh, oh a graduation party. Yes, your daughter. I, I, I had to remodel that whole thing. So Now that Morgan's in Arizona, she's out of my mind. She's... <sighs> Who's Morgan? Morgan who? Yeah. Well, I tell you what, though, Chris. Those graduation parties, I always tell parents, hey, when, when they're in junior high, you're going to wait till the summer before they graduate. They're going to try to remodel, and you're going to get into some bigger projects. And I say, get it done a couple of years ahead of time so you can all enjoy it. And Because, you know, updated is updated. It doesn't matter if you did it yesterday or if you did it three years ago, if you keep it in good shape. And, uh, you know, anyway. Okay, let's go into the, the main segment of the day, market this. So we're going to show two properties that have sold one in Prior Lake and one in Champlin, and you guys are gonna say maybe what you would have done differently or what you would have focused on. Bring it. So the first one, let me share this screen quick. All right. All right, let's zoom in a little bit. Gotta be me. Credit River Township is also kind of part of Prior Lake. I think uh, a lot of times when you are uh, looking at homes you're looking at a school district so this one remains in prior lake okay so 
this is a house that's it's close in acreage and uh when you have close in acreage that's that's in demand uh right now you get privacy but you're not totally out of town you have uh, amenities that are that are by you it's a big uh two-story i mean it's a four bedroom four bath with six car garage built in 96 so the odds are this is going to be a, a little updating if you look at the front there um right now the the that front piece that's that's a dated look you know and i would definitely be going um because i think now that one sold for six hundred thousand. that's going to be a significantly uh more amount of money right now so i would go in and um even if I replace those garage doors, but I would get rid of those that I would paint the, that little, those trim pieces, the same color as I would the stucco. Cause it would just, you don't like all, it, huh? what's that? No, it just, it just immediately exudes 1996. And then what well, that does. 1996 is exuding from back in the, what is it? Castle days. And, you know, overseas. I mean, that, that's a, uh, a look that's been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah, but it's it's twenty five. It, it, I think what does is it when you come in there. I mean, the other thing is is seal coat that driveway. But when you're you're coming in there, and I and I know this house. I, I remember. I think I showed it even. Um, they have a really nice backyard, and so when you have that, then it's worth it to go in there and do some of these things. But you can kind of take that um, this twenty five year old look. And kind of bring it into you know the 2020s. So garage doors, then painting those, uh, you know, kind of like a wood garage door. I mean, look at you got a paver patio. You got a lot of things that you can be able to work with. But that's a better front listing photo than the other one. Yeah, I agree. I agree. See, I'm I'm big into up close now versus the whole, you know, way way back and. Yeah, bring me to some inside photos, Nick. Looks like they got a Span Creek garage there. Okay, so now we got the older um, cherry uh, looking yep. with the, the dual posts and stuff like that. And it's too expensive in which to be able to take that kind of stuff out. You know, um, with the tile in here, I would try to, at this point, I mean, if I didn't want to spend a ton of money, I would get this uh, foyer rug out of here, have a lot smaller one. So it just kind of gives you this impressive, almost prom staircase uh, feel. Um, I don't mind the, the those white pillars, but sometimes you can just take those out as well. Um, formal, I mean, they're the, the formal room. I always get everything away from a window. The more light you can get, the better. Um, sometimes that uh, crown molding in that ceiling, uh, it might look better in person, but sometimes you just, you just paint those white instead. Um, and so you don't have so much of that uh, red cherry. You can keep going, Nick, I wanna find the kitchen. The kitchen, I think, in this house is going to help go back once, see how they did the white in there. So that kind of plays off of it. And so if you can see that uh, the stairway in the background where you get that woodwork, wood look, but you have white um, all around in here, that just gives it a kind of a more, you know, a builder look at that time. Kitchen looked pretty nice. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you could uh, really play with that. I and mean, if I'm listing that house, I'm actually getting those uh, stools out of there and getting that TV off the counter, making this thing as big as you possibly can. Because it's a nice looking, uh, could be a nice looking kitchen, but you want it to feel as big as possible. Someone can always say, hey, I can put a stool in there. But when it looks bigger and better, that's always best. Or it's uh, not a back on the chair. You just gotta be able to look past it. Yeah, they, they look like they've done some updating anyway, because they, 
they've got the hardware to the Venetian bronze. They've done some new granite, it looks like. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So I don't think this is, uh, yeah, I mean, okay, back to that little laundry room. You know, you can have the, you have the little cooker back here, the little uh, extra oven. You can't, you don't do that because that makes people think the kitchen's not big enough to be able to put it on. And so you just don't want them thinking that way. So that's got to go. What about on. the intercom, Chris? Yeah, I mean, intercoms, I think, I mean, if they work, I think that's a little different. I mean, it's better to get rid of them, you know, because you can easily take those out and then patch the, patch it up. But they typically, and especially if they don't work or if they sound weird when you're doing it, some people like them if they're sitting there as long as they work. Uh, this has got a nice porch on the back. So I would really, I mean, to me, I would be pushing this house to do some of the things that I talked about because I think we're going to get a lot more money um, for it. Oh, for sure. Is there any way to get a picture of the, the backyard? Master, I mean, this painting, I mean, I would try to. Wallpaper's got to go. Yeah, neutral paint. Yep. But it looks like it's super wooded in the backyard. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think sometimes uh, it's like a movie theater. So it's got some nice stuff. There's the walkout. So if you got any back pictures, all this other stuff is just kind of neutral paint. Okay. So this oh, is yeah, under garage. Yeah. So it's under the whole thing. Um, again, uh, Wayne's coating, or not Wayne's coating, but uh, seal coating of the driveway. Yeah. This So this doesn't look like it's got much of a yard uh, involved here. So that's another thing that I that I might do is, is trim up these trees. Just raise them all up as much as you can because it might get dark in there. You can see all the um, stuff on the, the siding. That happens a lot. Yeah, it needs to be power washed. You got to have that power washed, yeah, because then it the, then the trees become a problem. Now, privacy is good, but when you have three acres, you want to be able to use some, you know, for kids. So clearing a little area out is another big thing. Power wash the deck. All right, that's what I would do. Let's go to channel. See that roof? You guys see the roof up there too? There yeah. was uh, some of that lichen and whatever else growing on there, and. All of that stuff can be treated for hundreds of dollars. It's not millions. So it's like you can have somebody go up there and they, they do a nice wash and it scrubs it clean. And, and uh, okay. What do you want me to dazzle you with with this one here? This is one of our newest neighborhoods in Champlin. Um, newer built. Nice, nice, nice property. I think you got a lot of executives up there that are moving around and all that green area around the, the dot on the Google map. That's all the Elm Creek Park Reserve, um, and I'm I'm right under the W on Hayden down there. No, <laughs> I'm not. Actually, it's really close to my house. My wife, I think, walks through that neighborhood every day. Um, beautiful house, new construction, great area. You've got houses in there up to about a million dollars, you know, so even when you're finishing the basement, um, I, I, you know, some people are putting in pools. Um, it's one of the higher-end developments in Champlin that <clears throat> a lot of people didn't think were, was going to fly, and it actually – completely flew so well that it sold out in like under a year and a half and it was like 80 lots. So it was pretty successful. Um, actually if they had more, but I think it would continue. So <clears throat> nice updated kitchen, double ovens, um, Island, uh, with a, the sink in it. A lot of people like that. Um, nice wood woodwork, nice wood floors. Andy, is that neighborhood that now finished out? So now we're yeah. talking a new construction home all of a sudden now goes to existing homes within that neighborhood and you're not competing yeah. with construction. If you look see look through the window there, you can actually out the back, you can actually see there's a new house being built. 
That's like the, there's a couple that are left, and that's it. There's not very many. Yeah, nice house. Nice tall ceilings in there. Lots of can lights, updated lighting. Um, I'm I uh, this house will sell pretty quick, especially with the basement. Finished. What price point do you think it is now, Andy? Now that's all. It's all finished. I mean, they, they well, and it was in the. You said it was that was what it was sold at in the sixes. Yeah, and and it sold back in two thousand and nineteen. Yeah, eighteen. Well, I bet you you're in the sevens right now. Okay. Easy. I mean, we just sold one down the way that was about thirty five hundred square feet in that price range, and the house was fifteen years older and not quite as updated. So I would say this would easily go in the seven twenty five, seven thirty five range. Nice. I like that box ceiling. That's kind of the new look going with like a 10 foot flat with a box in the middle. That's a, a real nice look in these houses versus going with the vault. Um, kind of a, uh, you know, and some people don't get me wrong. Please don't send in hate mail. Um, I just, I prefer a big, a taller flat ceiling to the, hence in my house, I have a 10 foot flat ceiling in my house um, versus the big vaults. Yeah. Built-ins are great, you know, I'm not a big fan of the half walls with the wood tops in this price range, but that's all right. Yeah, well, are we changing anything? Or are they doing a good job marking this? I think they're fine. Yeah, I would I would have taken that railing all the way back, but that's a new construction thing, not a I wouldn't retrofit it. That's gorgeous. There's a couple of the houses in that neighborhood as well that uh, when they're nestled into the park uh, reserve, there was probably 20 of the houses that actually backed up to the park. And that that probably would add another 30, 40,000 of value, perceived value, you know, by the consumer, even though you can't do anything other than look at it, but it's, it's still there. I have a question. So like you see this, this is a vertical image instead of horizontal and yep. you have the black space on the side. Is that, I mean, doesn't really flow. Is that kind of unprofessional? Yes. I, I think that there, we have photos where what my guys will do is they'll, so to answer your question, Nick, they'll do that shot to get something to fit tall, but then they back the camera up so that they have a wide of the tall. So, you know what I'm saying? And it, it um, anyway, hope that makes sense. Nice freestanding tub. That's cool. I would have tiled around that tub um, for the splash factor, but that's just me. Nice, nice stack of drawers. Everybody loves that. Big drawers, lots of countertop space to put all your pretty stuff, Chris. Maybe even have a mirror or two. You know, you know how many hot dogs you could have on the countertop in the middle of would be great. I kind of don't want to, I kind of like this bathroom so I don't have to look at myself in the mirror. No mirrors. Yeah, no yeah. looking back. Is the black and white still popular? Yeah. Yeah, you still see it. Kind of cool there. They uh, notice now they're they're playing with some naughty alder and adding some accents in the home, which is kind of interesting because I know a lot of people back in the house that we just looked at, the one before this, where everybody wanted everything in the house to match from, from bedrooms to, to basements. Nowadays, the builders are intentionally um, playing with the colors, 
having different species of wood brought in to make accents. And so, you know, when you come down to remodeling, that's what's really kind of fun, guys, is that you don't have to. You could update, you know, add a locker, have it made out of alder. You could have your kitchen painted white that used to be cherry and, you know, really come with a fun design. And, and this is okay. It doesn't have to match. That's the beautiful part about right now if you're remodeling. You don't have to worry about finding the same cabinet guy to match the same wood with the same stain. Nobody cares. And I think sometimes not matching will make the other stuff look better. So if it's all, you have all oak and all of a sudden you throw some alder and some, um, some enamel in, in, in different places, it'll help the oak out. Yep, correct. Nice bar. Well, that was some dark carpet. Did you see that dark carpet? Yeah. I think you got to, on this one, you got to make some people feel for what that whole lower level is because that's a big lower level. I mean, that's, oh my gosh, entertainment. Yeah. that's an entertainer's dream right there. Yeah, nice bar. That paneling, um, the only thing I'd say is that, that that paneling was the hot thing probably three, four years ago, and now we're not seeing any of it anymore. We used to accent panel the back of everything, the the niche on the wall we do the you know behind the fireplace on the flat walls we do bathroom walls um and now we're not doing any of it what's interesting about that andy is that by you taking away that that paneling that's even like, like under that bar part what you're doing is you're, now you're putting that house and competing better against the new construction that's happening right now that's probably a lot more expensive where people might come into this it's only two years old boy it's outdated already by just getting rid of that, because there's still sheetrock under there. You know, sure. you can create something or, or get a different color or something. Well, you know, that black, he just whipped over it, but the black floor that was down there, that was probably, sorry to do that to you, Nick. It was probably an exercise mat matting in the basement. So it, you know, it has probably that. Uh, throwing some equipment in there, I would have probably staged that basement a little better, um, you know, for the photos, but that's just me. Do you guys want me to go to the outside, or are we good on this? I was just thinking, if, I don't know if you can get to the background, but I think, you know, you're not really going to tell here because that was a model, and I'm sure the whole landscaping has taken a whole different, um, it's, it's taken a whole new world out there. You know, those plants have grown up, and you have know, got a patio out in the back and all that kind of stuff. Or it may, it may not even have a... a, a landscaping new a lot of new construction they sell it that doesn't even have the landscaping included especially at that gotcha. price there wasn't a lot that sold up there in the 618 range a lot of stuff was selling in the seven eight nines perfect that was a good segment that was nice um let's go into our story Weirdest thing you found in a home, Andy. Uh, okay. So the weirdest thing I've ever found in a home other than humans. Yeah, I, that guy. <laughs> this is a real picture. Um, I've actually found humans sleeping. That was more scary than than weird. Um, I had one house we went into where I was with a group of people, so they can vouch for me, and this young lady comes walking out of the bathroom with a towel on, and she was so... Hey guys, how's it going? That was weird. Um, 
other things, you know, you start getting into hobbies. And I'll tell you what. So I was just in a house not too long ago. These 3D printers are becoming more popular. And they were literally making miniature characters. You know, like, I don't know what you call them, little little statues. I don't know what they are. Um, and they had these 3D printers going. We screwed around looking at that individual stuff for almost 30 minutes. It was so distracting. I don't say weird, but more of a distraction. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think, okay, the weirdest, I mean, I'm going to go with craziest thing that I found. And it also has to do with humans. And um, I, in, in the old days, this was in 1991, I'm pretty sure. So back then, it, it was a, just a, a lot, I mean, a lot different. There's MLS books that came out. You, finally, you found it. You, you, you set up the showing. And then back then, we used to do a lot of previewing. Now agents don't do as much previewing because they have everything online. So they can kind of look at the house. Well, we didn't have that. You got one picture. And you had to go look at it, see if that maybe would work for your buyer, then set up a show and bring them in. So we're going in. And, and back then, the thing was to be able to have music on and kind of make you feel at home and stuff. And I go into this one house. And at the time, now every time I walk into a house, even if I know it's vacant, I always, you know, knock, hey, realtor. You know, I always say that. I didn't do that in this scenario. There's music on and whatever. So I'm I'm walking around and I come up to the master bedroom and the door is shut. And let's just say I open that thing up and I'm like, oh my God. I I, I they go, oh my they're jumping around. I'm like, I closed it, I closed the door and I said, I'm the realtor. They said, Oh, oh, we're sorry, we'll be right out. And I'm like, what? I'm like, Phew. I was right out the door. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. I mean, I this is a repeat. This is a repeat story. Did I tell you that one? Okay. I thought you were going to make it juicy this time and say they wanted to tag in or something and say, hey, get in here. All the other million listeners haven't heard this one yet. So I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah. 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 That, was a, that was a fun thing. I know you found a that raccoon that one time too. Oh, my God. That was great. Uh, so we're sitting there doing a home inspection, and uh, all of a sudden the uh, home inspector comes in um, and says, Andy, i got to show you something. He goes, uh, you know, it's going to make you a little uneasy. So be prepared. I'm like, what, what is it? A dead body? Is it a whatever? And we go to the fireplace and here raccoons, a mother raccoon had brought her babies down the, the chimney and all these little baby raccoons were in there looking through the glass going. <laughs> I'm like, I told, I told my inspector, I go, I'm going to open up the door. He goes, no, 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 no. Don't bite us. Don't bite us. I go open the front door. Let's open up the fireplace and run. They'll come out, they'll run out the front door, and he goes, but what if they don't? So we they uh, we came back the next day, and they were all out of there. Can you do that again, what they did, what those little babies were doing? They were literally hissing at us, going, <sighs> like cats. It was, that was pretty funny. Actually, I forgot about that one. That was a good one. You know, the one that uh, Garth, Garth uh, used to tell us all the time, all those stories, doing all of the uh, the bank-owned properties that they Garth did over Johnson. the years. Realty house. Yeah, yep. one of our favorites, you know, and, and he uh, he was just, some of their stories, oh, spooky. Oh, yeah. Everything from deceased people to chalk lines to you name it. I, I also, weirdest thing, I saw a lot of um, rooms that or doors that had locks from the outside in. That was yes. a little creepy. When you're walking in a house and all of a sudden it's like, like they're locking someone in a room. You know, all the locks were on the outside versus. Well, you know, you know what it is, Chris. It's almost you got to think of. I 
So I had a, a customer of mine that kind of explained it. Being in Brooklyn Park, I saw a lot of that. And what it was, was you'd have a lot of cousins living together, for example. And it was their way of locking the door on the outside. So their bedroom was tamper proof. So that nobody would go in and take their stuff or mess with their stuff. Makes sense. But it automatically thinks, you know, they oh, yeah. they got a whatever. Well, no, I had, I had a customer tell me they were going to call child protection services yeah. because they said these people are locking their kids in their bedrooms. Yeah. And, and I was like, I, I, so then I asked and they told me and I was like, okay, thank God. I've seen that in rentals a lot where they'll rent room by room. Just kind of like what you're talking about. Yeah. I have some weird stories, but they're not PG. So yeah, I was going to say, what about any like haunting, like scary houses or like houses that were, had criminals in them that maybe were killers or that kind of stuff? Any weird houses like that? Uh, I yeah, have one. I, I, I already told my story, my ghost story, so you, you won't let me say it again. Just change the words a little bit. We'll believe you. I actually have two ghost stories. And at one, the other one was, um, I told you about the Shakopee one, when the buyer came in and looked at kind of felt it and said, I'll buy it because they're friendly ghosts in here. And uh, But the other one was... We're sitting there and I'm working with the sellers and we're talking about things. And all of a sudden I look over and their kids talking to someone, you know, and it's probably a two year old kid, two, three year old kid. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. They said, oh, yeah, that's um, talking to Tammy or whatever it is. Ended up selling the house six months later. That agent, the agent that bought it, called me and said, hey, did your do you know if your sellers ever knew anything about a little girl named Tammy? And it was, I'm like, oh my God. And, and so supposedly their kid was talking to this girl named Tammy. So who knows? I just risk my, you don't have to, you don't have to uh, disclose paranormal activity. Just so you know, you, uh, you should put that on your business card. Ghostbuster. Ghostbuster. Yeah. I think I can talk to him. I have, I do feel some, some of that. Sometimes you feel energy, weird energy. The house I was telling you about before, I totally felt that there was someone in there like that was looking at you and whatever. And maybe it's because the owner had told me that, but uh, yeah. when that other lady came in and she came to the open house and she just walked to the front door. Like, it's like she felt she was protected. And it was, I, I've, I've had several, I've had several cases of where I was down in North Minneapolis and, um, I used to go down there pretty early in the morning because then usually everybody that was up late at night causing trouble still sleeping. And uh, so I get down there early and it was about 630 in the morning and I open up the door and I always say, it's funny you say a realtor. I always say friendly realtor, just doing a house check, not here to hurt anybody, doing a house check. Also I hear boom, 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 down the back stairs, shaboosh out the back door. And I see some kids running. They were upstairs sleeping. And, and then, so of course I have to call the cops and say, Hey, it was a break and entry on this house. And the cops are sitting down there with me and they're like, you're stupid. They go, why do you even come in the house? You know, it's like, you're going to get one of these times you're going to get shot or you're going to startle somebody. It's not worth it. And they go, where's your gun? And I go, what do you mean gun? I go, I don't, I don't need a gun. And they go, you need a gun. And they go, if you don't have a gun, get bear mace. And I go, cause there's going to be a time where you're coming down here and you're going to get pickled into a corner. And you're not gonna be able to move and you're gonna have to get out. And I'm like, oh my god. And all of a sudden, my I started thinking maybe this isn't a, a good gig. We had a realtor that that happened to got hit with a lead pipe, knocked out, got his tough taken from him. And now then after that, because he was working with a lot of buyers that were buying in that 
ten to twelve thousand dollar foreclosure market where things were destroyed, people were staying in there. Then he had a gun. He kept working in it. He had a gun that they came in. He goes, "I'm a realtor. I have a gun. If if I run into you, I will shoot. I'll give you five minutes to get out." And that's what would happen. And we so, we had a bunch of. Uh, I've sold some apartments too down in uh, in uh, some of these you know uh, interesting parts of town. I'll say, and uh, they 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 just because the tenants move out doesn't mean that new tenants move in. You know what I mean? So we. I had drug deals. I had whatever. But you know what's the interesting part about homeless people that were living in these units? They would always use one of the bedrooms as a bathroom, and they literally go in there and take a dump right on the carpet, and they'd wipe it on the walls with their hands. So you'd walk in there, and it smelled like a pig barn. It smelled like poop, and it was disgusting. And I, I just, oh, my God. All right, let's move on. Hey, it's rapid fire, and then we'll finish up because we love our listeners so much. We have some comments here. Let's knock them out. And make okay. sure to give us a thumbs up or a heart. Do gold properties have the same value as Lightshore? No. Why do you always pick on 1996? I think that's you, Chris. You're muted. There was a certain lifestyle uh, in, in that time, and you can you can just pick it out. It's brass. It's dark cherry. It's oak. I mean, you you can find 1996. And uh, what was that? That's the year I turned 32. That was a bad year. Right. Carlos, unpopular opinion. All these new construction builds look the exact same. They are the same cookie cutter, boring builds. Well, I'll tell you what, a lot of the nationals that are providing square footage for the money, you're correct. I mean, Carlos, the hard thing for me too is, is that you want to build these houses with character. It's just, I think what most people are concerned about is getting the shelter first and then customizing it second. So what they're I, a better, maybe a better way to look at it is, I believe, and not everybody does this, but some families buy the house uh, almost like a, a blank canvas, and then they paint it themselves um, with every intent in the world of doing it, and then they don't have the money or the time to do it, and so they live in a boring house and it's cookie cutter looking versus going custom construction. I always say, pay ten percent more for the same house, have a local builder build it instead of one of these Wall Street builders, um, and you're going to get a house that has your selections your colors, you know, everything, you know, want to move the hallway over six inches to make the office bigger, whatever that, that is, there's a huge advantage of that. I think I, that's what I do, Carlos. And a bigger price point there too. River rock or mulch for landscaping. Rock. Yeah. It's hard to have a rock fight without rocks in the yard. So, um, the, uh, no, so as built, I'll give you a tip though. Builders always put in mulch most of the time. Because lawnmowers like to throw rocks and break windows. Builders don't like to fix windows. So that and kids like to throw them and make messes with them. Mulch, what's kind of nice is it's light. It's easy. You don't have to use such heavy equipment to move it around. Um, it's a very nice way to update um, a new flower bed or something like that. And then you can refresh it every year with a new layer of mulch. Now, the other side of that is you're touching it every year. Some people don't want to. They want to put it in and be done. Then I'd go with rock. Amazing. I said rock for the long haul, but mulch for if I'm putting my house on the market, it's a quick fix to be able to make it look brighter and you don't have to deal with weeds and all that kind of stuff right away. Yeah, nothing makes flowers and shrubs look better than fresh mulch. Amazing. 
Make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. We stream on all platforms. Check out our Facebook. If you're listening audio, we have the full video version there. We do three clips a week. Give us thumbs, thumbs up. Give us the emojis. It, it helps our algorithm and our engagement. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or 